0: Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at voxoc.com slash live and at the Eldorado Performing Arts Center. I don't know about you, but I have had a crazy three weeks just going everywhere. And uh, the middle trip, uh, literally, we're driving to the airport, and I said to my wife, Where are we going? And she said, Portland. I'm like, oh, okay. So life is just flying like crazy. Uh, Psychologists actually call this hurry sickness. You're moving so quickly, you're never fully present at any one time. And what I love about church is it's one time in my schedule where I stop that craziness. Right? I leave the cell phone uh, in my car, and I am just want to be here present and hear what God has to say. And to come with the attitude that God wants to speak to you this morning. There's something he wants you to hear through the worship through uh, Carrie's teaching this morning, through communion, through a conversation with another person, but to actually come and say, Lord, I'm going to be fully present here for the next hour and 15 minutes, and I invite you to speak to me as a wonderful gift in our crazy busy life. You know, God said you're supposed to have Sabbath rest. Uh, Weekly, I want you to take time to rest in me and my goodness. And this is a great week to do that with Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday, is to ask the Lord to reveal to you things that you really should be grateful for. Now, sometimes that can't be things that we align with the American dream, so it's not bank account or or house or um, relational status or anything like that. But Lord, show me something that I can be thankful for, because Thanksgiving is a mixed bag for a lot of people. For some of you, it is your favorite time of the year. You pull together your family. You eat like crazy. You watch the Detroit Lions lose that day, like our family tradition. But for some of you, Thanksgiving is a really hard time. It, it kind of highlights the separation in your family. It highlights the fact that there's things that aren't being met in your life relationally. But even then, to ask the Lord to say, but, but show me something that I can be thankful for that isn't tied to my family, that isn't tied to those kind of things. So we're so thankful that you're here this morning. This is a great morning. Uh, Carrie, part of our teaching team, is going to continue preaching what she left off last week. We have some great worship. And as our tradition, we're going to answer some questions. I'm going to tackle two questions, and then we'll go uh, right into Carrie. So question number one. Instead of storage boxes, should we get Mike a backdrop? for his live broadcast of Vox on Sunday mornings. I couldn't agree more. And by the way, we would love your suggestions, what you think that backdrop should be. I was just kind of brainstorming. Here's what I came up with. Now, you know what? Uh, I shouldn't have done this. Because Michigan lost yesterday. And you know what? Next week is the big game. Next week is Michigan-Ohio State, good versus evil. And it's home in Ann Arbor, but our second-string quarterback got hurt yesterday. We're down to our third-string quarterback, who's also the captain of the chess club. So we are in a lot of trouble (laughs) next week, unless God intervenes, which he could, but we don't hold him to that. His goodness is not attached to it. It should be, but it's not. All right, now next question. This is actually a really difficult question that I'm gonna to try to jump into. Second question looking to hear truth and clarity regarding salvation I've heard pastors mention to invite Jesus into your heart which has been referred to as saying the sinner's prayer and I've heard Mike say there is no sinner's prayer next so for those who might not understand this conversation can you explain simply how to know for sure that you have eternal salvation great question um, the sinner's prayer, what is that? Well, there's no one definition of the sinner's prayer. Generally speaking, the sinner's prayer is you recognize that you have a sin problem. You recognize that um, if you were to be ju- die and judge, you'd go to hell. And so you're asking Jesus to be your savior. That is generally speaking the sinner's prayer. Mike is uh, opposed to the sinner's prayer, I think, for very good reasons. Now, Mike and I don't always agree on everything. We have different takes on everything. So let me use a scenario to give my take on the sinner's prayer, and then we'll invite Mike next week to (laughs) uh, clean up what I have to say. So here we go. I became a Christian through karate. Michael Crane's Karate for Christ. Isn't that beautiful? jujitsu for Jesus. I love that. I, we, I never went to church a day in my life. Uh, I went to hear him speak in a church. Uh, he had been at a high school earlier that day my, uh, where my brother Bob was and he said, hey, this karate guy is going to be at a church. I went. I had never heard anything about the gospel. Mike, like many pastors, um, uh, um, the guy who was doing it, he preached fire and brimstone. He said, literally, if you drive home uh, and and die in a car accident and you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. Well, I'd never heard that before. So my mouth is like... uh. So when they gave an offering, I went. I actually... Amazing that I did this at age 13. I went down, and I remember the woman meeting me, and I said to the woman, let me get this straight. If I don't accept Jesus and I die in a car accident, I'm going to go right to hell? She goes, yes. I said, but if I do accept Jesus right now and I die in a car accident, I'm going to heaven. She said, yes. I said, well, (laughs) I'm going to accept Jesus, right? She said, well, that made sense to me too. So I did. I prayed to receive Jesus right there. I prayed the sinner's prayer. Now, here's my opinion. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, Jesus used hell... As an introduction to talk about many different topics. So right there, I don't think there's anything wrong with me responding to what I knew. All I knew, based on what Michael Crane said that night, is that I, I'm destined for hell because I have a sin problem. Well, I responded in the only way I knew how to respond. So I think right then, uh, that's not an abuse of the sinner's prayer. Now, the next day, my junior high football coach was actually in the audience. I didn't know that. So the next day, he meets me with a King James Version of the Bible and says, you are you serious about following Jesus? If you are, I want to meet with you weekly. Now, as he's meeting with me, he's saying things to me like, you know, Jesus wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be Lord of your life. Now, imagine me saying this. Yeah, I'm not interested in that. Right, I don't want to go to hell. That seems crazy to me. But I really don't want Jesus to be a part of my life. I don't want him to have a say in my sexual identity. I don't want him to have a say in how I live my life. I don't want him to have a say in my career. I just want fire insurance. I think that is the misuse of the sinner's prayer. And Paul does not use that kind of language. We have to be really clear. I think Paul would say, yeah, the New Testament doesn't teach just the sinner's prayer. Maybe that's an introduction to the conversation. But a lot of Americans don't want anything to do with Jesus as Lord. We just want Jesus to save us from eternal judgment when it comes to God. This is how Paul phrases it. In Romans 10, 9 to 10, he says this, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So there is absolutely guarantee of salvation. But notice what Paul didn't say, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus... No, no, no. Jesus as Lord, you can be sure of your salvation. So in other words, I'm accepting all of Jesus. I'm becoming a disciple of Jesus. Uh, You will be saved if this is your heart attitude. And by the way, heart in Hebrew is all of you. It's your mind, will, emotions, all of you. Um, For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Now here's the very interesting thing about the word confess. Most Bible commentators agree that's public confession. He's writing to the church at Rome, and he's saying, I want you to actually get up in front of the body of believers and confess the fact that Jesus is Lord. Now, I don't think that's a precondition for salvation, but it is a way to cement your decision to make Jesus as Lord of your life. So, uh, then you might think, well, okay, then I can never know if I'm saved or not. Right? No, 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 you can because Jesus knows your heart. So if you buy into Jesus being Lord of your life and you become a disciple of Jesus, you can have bad seasons in your life, right? But always you're a disciple of Jesus and always he's Lord of your life. There's just sometimes you're not going through a good season of life and it's like two steps forward, three steps back. I think what Mike is against and what I'm opposed to is this easy believism that we have in the United States, which is, hey, I want to say the sinner's prayer, but I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I want to make sure that I go to heaven, but I really don't want Jesus to have anything to do with my earthly life. I think that's what the New Testament is trying to get at, is it's a package deal. You accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, and you become his disciple. If you do that in your heart, then you are assured of salvation, even if you have some bad seasons of life. I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, send your questions in for Mike... Next week, okay? Awesome. So, um, uh, and again, I, I love the fact that this is just meant to provoke a conversation. Obviously, in eight minutes, you can't wrap up everything. And maybe I, I raise some questions for you. Please send those in. And me and Mike will try to address those uh, next week. What I love about, um, our church as well is that we have a teaching team. It's not one perspective. It's not just one voice. A huge part of our teaching team is Carrie, and I'm going to bring her out right now, and she's going to jump in where she left off last week. So, Carrie, come on out.
1: Two weeks in a row? That's a lot. I will not be here next week. So, if those of you that hate me, just come next week. Maybe you don't hate. We don't say hate here, huh? Thank you, first people in the row. We don't hate you. Um, I don't think you do. I don't care if you do anyway. Um, I'm still going to preach. Uh, hi. Are we awake? I am so proud of you because I was I literally poked my head out because when it's Thanksgiving week, if you've been in church long enough, like there's these ebbs and flows and holiday week is like a bummer week because everyone's gone. you know look at how many of you are here. This is awesome thank you and thank you to the three of you sitting in the center because I tell all the time whenever I'm preaching, if you know I'm a preach, sit here because it's hard to preach all the way back there. Um, it's So thank you, committed ones. Um, I, uh, I loved what I got to share with you guys last week because it was like, it was kind of a, it's just therapeutic to get up here and share about what's going on in my life and get to kind of write out these messages and then hope that somehow it translates to you like it's translating to me. And um, many of you had lots to say about last week's. One of my favorites was thank you, but no thank you. Um, that was one of my favorites. Uh, and I love that she said that because I could see that she was like, man, this is... This is heavy for me, but I want it, but I don't want it, because it's it's requiring sacrifice, and that's really hard. And um, so we just love that. We love that you are in process and all of that, and the process is welcomed. Um, but don't stay stuck in the process. Don't stay stuck in what you think. Ask God to continually open your mind and expand how you feel um, and what you think about what is said here, because what is said here will ultimately bring you freedom. It really will. So sit in the tension of it. Don't ignore it. Why do we come to church on Sunday morning? Why is that even a thing? Um, because I think um, well one God wanted you to gather together he just wanted you to come together and and learn and and there is something about coming into a place where you can kind of breathe and I say this every time you know I, I just am so about breathing I don't think that we breathe but a place that you breathe well anyway I mean we breathe you're all alive but I don't think we come into a place and we always feel this tension you know I worked for a long time with high end executives I worked for a Prince of Saudi Arabia um, and I'll tell you what, like, man, he, he didn't know how to breathe. I was a trainer for a really long time. I know that's super shocking because um, I hate working out now. Because um, I turned 40 and I'm like, I don't care. Uh, but back in my 30s, I really cared. Uh, and I, tra- I ran my own business and stuff and I would work with these executives and really high-end, um, like just really high, high-end uh, executives that They would come in and they didn't know how to breathe. And I think there is something about when we come into this space knowing that for an hour and a half or whatever, like, gosh, I don't know how to figure this all out. Life is really hard. Or maybe life is really great. Or maybe God has put this like really big desire on your heart, and you're just struggling with it. The fear is kind of holding you back. And I don't know. What if we step out? What if we have to do this? What's going to happen? You know, There's a lot that you come into this room with. There's something about coming into a room where you know the person sitting next to you. Maybe they don't believe exactly what you believe, but like they believe it a little bit and you just kind of can let your walls down a little bit. We want that to be this place for you. So I don't have a lot more time. That was too way too long. Uh too long of an ex- explanation. But um anybody in this room like a type personality? Just okay, good. Thank you, five of you. Um, the rest of you are all like chill and cool, like my husband. Um, I just saw a wife raise her husband's hand. That was amazing. She was like, you need to raise your hand. I am an A-type personality. A-type personality is the person. I'll just give you an example. When we go to a stoplight and the light turns green, you go. You don't wait to go, you don't think about going, you don't slightly press the gas to go, you go. My husband on the other hand is like, oh look, the light's green, we should go. I'm like, go, the light's green, you know? I kid you not, we came to, the light changed from red to, or from green to yellow, my husband comes up to the light and we are stopped at a yellow light. (laughs) And I looked at him and I was like, I think we're going to have to get divorced. I can't be married to someone that we're sitting in a yellow light. This is embarrassing. And he was like, babe, I didn't see when the light changed from green to yellow. I don't, I can't anticipate that red. I'd rather be safe than sorry. Oh, no. I'd rather be sorry than safe. You know? I, I, was, I, I just was like, we are so different. Let me tell you something. I will never die in a car accident with my husband if he is driving. He is safe. He is for sure going to die with me. I am not a good driver. I'm going to admit that. I'm like, what are they doing? What's going on? The light's green, go! You know, the light turns yellow, you better go real fast! You know, I am in a constant state of urgency. There is such urgency in my life in so many ways. I'm so passionate about everything. I passionately love a cheeseburger. That's in front. This is the best cheeseburger. This is the best cheeseburger you've ever had. Mario's like, it's good. I'm like, no, it's the best cheeseburger you've ever loved everything. I'm angry, passionately angry. You know, I'm, pa- I'm passionate about everything. There is a constant state of urgency in my life. What I have come to find out is that's not the best place to be in. It's not really surrender. It's more control that I have. My husband is in a state of urgency of seeking God, but it's in the he's a better human being than I am, for sure. I married up, hands down, I married up. And he's only 5'5", and I married up, let me tell you. He's amazing. And I was thinking about this, and I was th- kind of thinking about our life and you ever read a scripture and you just kind of it just strikes you, you read it and you're like, "What And you have to read it so many times and this is just me i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you this past week uh, um what kind of just struck me that I wanted to share with you it's going to take us all the way back to Exodus eight. This is when Moses has now been asked to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. So Pharaoh has been holding the Israelites slaves for tons and tons of years, and now Moses has been ordained by God through a burning bush to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Pharaoh, or Moses goes up to Pharaoh, you need to let him go. He gives him one plague, turns the, the uh, water to blood, which is gross, and Pharaoh's like, fine. Let the people go. Pray to your God. Then he changes his mind. So we're only in the second plague in chapter in Exodus, chapter eight, uh, comes up, and uh, it says here. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him that he needs to let the people go. But if he refuses, I will smite your whole territory with frogs gross and the Nile will swarm with frogs which will come up and go into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and in the houses of your servants and on your people and in your ovens and in your kneading bowls like Moses is like there will be frogs everywhere and at first I was like I mean frogs like I don't know doesn't seem that like, scary or dangerous. Right? It's just frogs. But I'm like, frogs in my bed, frogs in my food, frogs in my bowl. That's nasty. Like frogs, then I start to think frogs come from the mud. Frogs are gross actually. This is a gross plague. I do not like this plague. Neither did Pharaoh clearly. Because then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and your staff and the rivers over the streams and over the pools and make frogs come up out of the land. In verse 6, so Aaron stretched out his hand over the Waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did the same thing. Verse 8 Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he would remove these frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. And then, verse 9 Moses said to Pharaoh, The honor is yours. To tell me, when shall I entreat for you and your servants and your people? When, will, when should I go before God? When do you want me to pray this prayer? My God has all the powers to stop this, Pharaoh. I'm going to let you tell me, when do you want this plague to stop? And this is where it gets funky. And I will let the people go, and then they and then they will sacrifice, that they may sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, oh, I already said that part. Verse 10. Then he said, Moses, Pharaoh looks at Moses and says, I want you to tell your God to stop these frogs. And Moses goes, when do you want me to say it? And Pharaoh says, tomorrow. And I was like, hold up. I know your wife told you to go tell Moses to stop these frogs. Because if I'm your wife, get these frogs out my bed. You know what I'm saying? This is disgusting. And you're going to, you have the power right in front of you. Think about this. He literally says to him, then Pharaoh says, tomorrow. Tomorrow frogs away tomorrow. I feel like this is the weirdest scripture I've ever read in the Bible ever. If you have frogs up in your bed, when you sleep, where you eat, in your shower, brushing your teeth, frog juice. Do you know what I'm saying? And you have access to God to make it stop. And you look at Moses and you say, you know what? tomorrow. Why on earth would you go one more minute with frogs up in your bed? Pharaoh's crazy. And we know this because here's what we start to realize. Pharaoh isn't ready he really isn't ready to let go. He isn't really ready to surrender his kingdom. There's part of him that wants his nagging wife to be quiet about the frogs in the bed, but to be honest with you, he is not broken yet. Because we know this because the plagues continue on. Because as soon as Pharaoh says, yeah, make the frog stop, and Moses does. In fact, he says he makes the frogs all die. They have to scoop him into piles and the smell is so disgusting. I'm telling you, the Bible, you just read it and you're like, the Bible's gross. So many gross things in the Bible and it's so specific and I love when people are like, it's boring. I'm like, did you, did you see that there were piles of frogs and it was stinking up the land? Like, that's interesting stuff. Anyway... I'm reading this, and and he does make it stop. And then Pharaoh the next day, nope, I changed my mind. I started to think about us, right? And we, and we look at our own lives and the plagues that plague our lives and the things that we want changed. I want my marriage to change. Good. Then you need to quit all the other things you're doing and put your focus right here. You need to be desperate and put your marriage first. So you need to let go of the soccer games that are competing with your time. You need to let go of all of the meetings that you're in and you need to focus on the one thing that matters, your marriage. And you go, I don't have time for that. I'm going to deal with that tomorrow. We look at our kids and we go, man, I want them to be this, this incredible person for God. We should really start doing devotions or, or we start, you know, making the list of all the things we do. I'm really going to take care of this. I'm going to have this really heart-to-heart with them tomorrow. And we don't do this, um, uh, you know, in, like we don't plan it out that way. But tomorrow just keeps being tomorrow and tomorrow. And the outcome is The things that we really want for our lives, the desires we really have, which is really just to be more free and closer to God, ends up being something we talk about tomorrow. I thought about in Mark, um, Mark chapter 10, where we look at um, the story, and you've heard it before, but Mark chapter 10, verse 17, and Jesus is standing there, he's sitting there and he's about to go on a journey and and a man runs up to him. He kneels down before him, and he begins asking God, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. And looking at him, Jesus felt such a love for him. And he said to him, one thing you lack Go and sell all you possess and give to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. But these words, with these words, the man, his face falls. He turns around, another scripture says, he turns around and hangs his head. He walks away grieved for he knows that he owned a lot of property And I think about this, and I go, man, you know, very few times in the Bible does Jesus actually offer an invitation to come walk with him. It isn't until the spirit falls on us after Jesus dies, buries, and rises again that the Holy Spirit comes on us, and there's an invitation to be with Jesus all the time. Didn't have that yet. This man is offered a very rare invitation to experience the kingdom right now, and he can't let it go. I wonder if he turned around and he goes, I gotta think about it tomorrow. Another man says, I wanna follow you, Jesus. And he says, come with me right now. Let me go bury my father. I'm gonna come tomorrow. It's so often, I think, that we look at our relationship with God and we go, tomorrow, God, I want to serve you. God is putting something on your heart today for you to walk in, and every day you're not walking, and tell me, I'm telling you this right now, it's not for condemnation that I say this, it is for your freedom. But God is telling you today, I'm asking, I'm inviting you to come more and deeper into the kingdom of what I'm doing. And you go, I'm too scared. What are you gonna make me do? What are you gonna make me get up? And he goes, I'm not gonna make you give up anything. You're actually going to gain everything. This world holds nothing. Why couldn't Pharaoh let go? Because his kingdom to him was so great. His entire identity and how people saw him was so great. If I tell him in desperation to Moses... Pray to your God today, I have to give up a little piece of who I am. I have to surrender my kingdom and say I'm in a no control. And when I do that, I am understanding that God is above me and I am below. And Pharaoh wanted none of that. There's another story in the Bible that I just love. In Mark chapter two, um, verse two through five, and here's Jesus and he's, he's sitting in this house. You've heard this story, many of you, but he's sitting in this house and he's just preaching it and it's packed with people. And they're just sitting around like like uh, hearing from God and there's these four men outside with their buddy who's a paraplegic and he's on a mat, right? You know the story. They can't get in to see Jesus. They're fought, trying to find a way and you know the guys, they're just like your road dog friends that are like, we're just going a mile for you. And The guy can't do anything. He's completely helpless. He can't walk. He can't move. He can't do anything. He is dependent on his buddies to get him in front of Jesus. He is desperate. Desperate to be near Jesus. What did his buddies do? We know that it it literally says... In verse two, and many were gathered together so that they were no longer room, even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. And they came, these buddies came, bringing the parapolitic carried by four men and being unable to get him in because of the crowd. They go up to the top of the roof. I love this because these are like good friends. They rip the roof off. Like, first of all, rude. That's my house. But whatever. I I digress on that. But I was like thinking about as a mom thinks about that. I'm like, we're gonna have to fix that roof now. (laughs) They did not care. They literally defamed property, ruined someone's roof. They had to rip off a roof to drop their buddy down in front of Jesus. You see, here's the place of desperation. They aren't saying, oh, we'll wait till Jesus goes to another house tomorrow. Oh no, I need to see Jesus today. I need to be in his presence today because James says tomorrow is not promised. He was so desperate, so without any cause, any any ability to heal or fix his life that his buddies would rip open a roof just for him to be in the presence of God. My heart breaks, brothers and sisters, because I know all too well 22 years of doing this whole, you know, loving Jesus gig thing, and I will tell you numerous counseling appointments I have done, pastoral counseling, life coaching, walking with women, walking with marriages, walking with men through the through the life of, of trying to surrender before Jesus. And I can't tell you how often they would sit in my office and say, I don't know why I can't let this go. And I say, because you want to wait till tomorrow. I'm telling you what you need to do. It's too hard, Carrie. I said, I know. It's hard work. It's hard work to rip off a roof. It doesn't come easy. My hands get a little bloodied. I got to ask for help. I need people to come around me. I need people to lower me in. I need them to help me rip off a, off a roof. I need to sit before Jesus in all of my brokenness and lay there before God. And as he was put down before Jesus, Jesus looked at him, and I love this part of the story, and it's not in there, but I'm just gonna give it to you for free. Jesus laying there, the man's laying there, and Jesus looks at him and he says, it is your salvation that has made you saved. You are free. He does not heal him yet. He didn't care. Jesus was not so much about fixing the outer. He was about meeting the inner, about healing what was going on inside. And then the Pharisees start grumbling in their their heads and start talking crap about Jesus. And I love this because Jesus reads brains. It's so awesome. And he looks at them and calls them out. And then he heals his outer body. You see, what Jesus is asking of you today, it's a big ask. It is. He's saying, tomorrow's not promised, but if you want freedom for today, you got to come to me today. God says this, well, actually, I say this. (laughs) I'm looking at the scriptures, so hold it loosely. (laughs) I look at the scriptures and I go, Pharaoh had the opportunity to partner with the creator of the universe and said, man, this kingdom is not mine. I'm going to let these people go. What was the outcome for Pharaoh? Oh, he became desperate. It wasn't until God says, you've messed with me. I have given you opportunity. But there is consequences to your disobedience. And there was death that came. See, Pharaoh had the opportunity to set people free, to partner with God and let people go. The rich young ruler, he had the opportunity to to be free. You see, Jesus, that, that story is not about money or being rich. Gosh, I thank you, all you rich people out there. Keep making tons of money and give it here. <laughs> it's wonderful. I love it. God doesn't hate money. But he says it's, it is hard for someone who is very wealthy to come into the kingdom of God. Why? Because complacency says tomorrow. Desperation says today. The third man, the one who was desperate, he was the one that was freed. Pharaoh had the opportunity to free. The rich young man had the opportunity to be free. The only one that got free was the one who was desperate and sought Jesus today. I look at this story and, and I'm thinking about, you know, I can't, I, I've, been, I've gotten to travel the world a lot. And I think about the privileged And I think about the desperate. You know, I go to India, that's pretty much as desperate as you can get. I don't think I've been anywhere. I've been around the world a lot. India, it's an interesting space. It's very desperate. They don't even have the privilege to think about tomorrow. They don't even know if tomorrow is going to come. And this isn't like we're bad here in America, but I think you need to understand where we really sit. And I have some friends here that are desperate. But I think the privilege, the complacency, always look to tomorrow. It's always about tomorrow. Because you have the privilege to think about tomorrow. It is the desperate that have no other option but to think about today. Here's the reality. You are all desperate. You are all desperate. You all need to be lowered from a roof to sit before Jesus with whatever you bring and whatever you have, desperate for a touch from God. We're desperate for him. You go, Carrie, I pray. I ask him to take this away or, or I, I seek him and I go, are you desperate? That's what we read about Paul last week when he comes before Jesus and, and, and I mean, Epaphroditus comes to him and brings him a gift and he says, I'm already good. He's been so desperately pursuing Jesus that nothing, neither death nor height, can separate him from the love of God. He has conquered fear. He is good because he's been desperate for Jesus. I shared with you guys last week that my husband had lost his job. We went from being very privileged to very not privileged and, you know, sitting online, looking as the government was going to have to take care of me and my kids. Very humbling. As, my, as a year goes by, and he continues to try to get a job, not one interview, nothing. It's like barren. And at the end of the year, he comes up to me and says, I really believe that God has asked me to stop looking for a job. And I was like, um, that's not Jesus. <laughs> And, and this is something I kind of shared last week, but he said, I believe that what what you have been called to do, Carrie, is what I have been called to do. It's not a calling on you. It's a calling on our family. I'm like, oh, okay, that was, a, that was a big pill to swallow. And you need to understand this is out of character for my husband. So all of you guys out there that want to walk up and be like, yeah, God told me I don't have to work anymore. Uh, no. <laughs> you were made to work. Work. You know what I'm saying? Go get a job. J O B. But my husband, who is a workhorse, who has never not worked a day in his life since he was 15, who will spend hours to make a company run and shine, let me tell you, when he comes with a heavy heart, tears in his eyes, and he says, I believe that we are supposed to break through with the kingdom of God and bring freedom to people, and I believe that we're supposed to do this together, and we are crying and praying before the Lord and going, okay, God, we have to trust you. This is super risky, and Jesus is going, I have you in this, let go of your possession and follow me and we said yes and we are not making the kind of money we were making but we are seeing lives change across the continents and we get to be a part of that because here's the deal, I don't want to wait till tomorrow to see a miracle you know you can't see a miracle if you don't go where miracles are happening You can't see a miracle if you don't sacrifice and surrender where you are so he can do a miracle. God will always work in conclusion with his scripture. So please hear me. Don't come up to me afterwards and say, you know, God told me to sell everything and I'm supposed to live on the streets. We're gonna pray about that. But I believe that some of you have a dream that is risky. I believe that some of you, God is asking you to step out of that job to do a different job. He will never have you not work. He will always have you work. It's how you were made. I believe that he is going to ask some of you to hold very loosely the finances you've been given. I think he's going to ask you to hold very loosely the children you've been given. And I think he's going to ask you to focus on the things that are important today. God, your family, and his kingdom. Those are what's important. The privilege, have the easiness to look to tomorrow. The desperate only have the ability to be in today. It's the desperate who get healed. It's the desperate who get freedom. It's the desperate who get to pick up their mat and walk out a different person. It's the privileged that hold on to their kingdom so tightly that they miss out on the kingdom that God is doing, the greater kingdom. It's good work, friends. Good work. I'm freer because of it. I don't make the kind of money I made. I'm letting it go. (laughs) But what I have experienced is that I've learned to live with a little and I've learned to live with a lot. What I've learned is that freedom comes in my desperation and every day I'm desperate. Every day I'm desperate to be closer to Him. If the God of the universe is opening up the heavens, And he's saying, I'm offering and inviting you to come with me. Don't miss the invitation, because you're holding on so tightly to the kingdom you've created. We're going to have a time of just a couple songs, two songs, where you can just kind of sit and worship, listen, whatever you want to do. You don't have to get up. You just stay, stay in your seat, stand up, whatever, and just pray before the Lord. Okay, God, what am I holding on to? What are you asking me to do? Some of you, I can see you squirming, so it means God has been asking you to do something and you've been saying no. Don't say no anymore. Trust Him. It's so much better over here, guys. The top rung, very few. The bottom rung, I think it's where Jesus lives. Come join me on the bottom rung. It's much funner down here. We can wear rib jeans. <laughs> We'll have the worship band come out and just guide us into a couple of uh, songs of worship, and then I'll come back out and lead us into communion. Have time where your spirit speaks to our heart. God, I just pray right now that as you are calling all of us into more deeper intimacy with you and more freedom, God, I pray that we would understand that there is going to be fear involved, but your love will cast out that fear. I pray that we do not wait till tomorrow, but we embrace today that we sit desperately before you, that we will go to all lengths to be in your presence. And Lord, you are here right now. Help us take advantage of these moments with our brothers and sisters as we get ready to be able to come before the table where we can remember what you did for us, that you sacrificed your life so we could be free, that by the sacrifice of your life, the veil was torn. We can tear off fear and come running before the throne because of what you did on the cross. I believe this with every fiber of my being. It is the very thing that gives my breath life. It is the very thing, God, that has transformed me from lost to found. And I pray that as we come before the table, any and all are welcome at this table because you died for every single person on this earth. Let us not forget what you did and encourage us to surrender and sacrifice our man-made kingdoms for the greater kingdom that you have today, for us, right now. So Lord, as we continue in worship, as many of us sing out in praise, as many of us sing out in desperation, as all of us come before this table and remember what you did, help it to help heal what's going on in our lives Help it to remind, help this sacrifice that you did remind us of the sacrifice we should be so willing to give before you. It will not be the thing that brings bondage, it will be the very thing that brings freedom. As we continue in worship, God, may you be praised. May your presence be thick within this room. May healing happen, may hearts change, may more walk out in faith, and may we all surrender, God, as we come before the table, accepting of all these elements, where all are welcome. Thank you, God, for this continued time of worship and prayer. Uh, praising Jesus in the back. Uh, hey, guys, look, I know the past two weeks have been a little heavy. And I know that it can seem like, yeah, I got my tea. Uh, at least I have my shoes on this week. Uh, I know it can seem like, man, and I'm not going to preach right now. I'm just like, just two seconds. But I know it can seem like, is Carrie just like living in this ideal world? You know, of just like, just surrender and I'll be good. No, that's, I'm not. I have been desperate and I have been complacent more times than I care to say. But I will tell you that in my desperation is when I have found Jesus more accessible and alive and where freedom, freedom has come. It is in my complacency that I lose sight of what really matters. It is in my complacency that I miss out on the greater story. All this is today is an invitation for you to continue to learn that it is not weak to be desperate. It is strength to rely on the power of Jesus Christ. That makes you strong. That is where freedom comes. Don't miss the invitation because somewhere along the way, somebody told you, pull yourself up by your boots straps and get it together. It's just not the way we were intended to be. Let go of your kingdom and walk in the kingdom that God is doing now. It's a fun ride. Life is hard anyway. Might as well do it with Jesus. than not, right? Here, if you need prayer today, I get it. I know some of you are like, these pastor messages, it's a little much. Get prayer. There's, we have these incredible men and women that are in, over here. Raise your hand, guys. They're the best. And they have orange lanyards on, which is apparently special prayer, people. Um, so you just go over there, and they will pray for you, and they can just encourage you and, and help you just feel less alone and what you're struggling with. Another cool thing is, after this service, we have pumpkin pie, because we have a lot of feelings today. And we want to eat them. So we thought, Carrie's going to speak twice. We should pe- give people sugar. Um, so thank you, Vox. So out on the patio is pumpkin pie, where you can enjoy. Also, last thing, um, if you like what's happening here, and you're into it, and you want to keep seeing this family grow, you want to keep asking questions and seeing lives change, and sit in hard tensions of things. We need you. You're part of this church and part of that is keeping the lights on and keeping the doors open. If you feel like, gosh, I want this to keep going. I want to be keep coming on this Sunday morning. I want to bring my friends to this. I want them to hear. It's a little different here. We get it. We have participation boxes. This is your church. Okay? This is your church. And we give in all kinds of ways. And that's one of the ways that you can give and be a part of keeping this going, whatever this is. It's good, though, right? So you can do that. Let me pray a blessing over you. I'm going to ask you to stand, because we've been sitting long enough. Let's stand. You just put your hands out like this, not because it's super spiritual, but just sometimes we hold life like this, and we're holding on to our kingdom so much, we just want to open up our hands and let whatever you're holding on to go, and whatever God wants to give you come into you, OK? God, we just thank you for today. We thank you that we could breathe. We thank you, God, that your message, although can be piercing, it is only so that you're saying, sweet daughter, sweet son, I'm calling you to more freedom. So I pray, God, as we have our hands open, we let go of whatever we're trying to hold on to, whatever we're trying to control, whatever we're trying to falsely feel like we're safe in. Let us open our hands, release it to you so that you can fill us with a bigger story a greater impact and more of your presence and just more freedom. Let your freedom fall upon my brothers and sisters here today. Let your freedom fall and let it fall through your presence and through pumpkin pie. In Jesus' name, amen. See you guys next week. I'm not preaching though, but see you next week.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Community. Participate in the Vox community at voxoc.com slash participate.